Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and I'm really excited about our guest today. Can you tell us who it's going to be? Yeah, I'm excited too. It's always awesome when we start a new journey, and especially with a Hall of Famer. And today we get to do that. So this person has been part of the legendary team Coloradicals and also an iconic team Art of Disc with partners Joel Rogers and Dave Schiller. So probably a lot of people out there can guess who this person is just by that. Not only did he have those two teams, he was also part of an all-time great mixed team with Stacey Anderson then and now McCarthy. And he just got inducted into the Freestyle Hall of Fame. So with that, I would love to welcome in Rick Castilla to Shoot in the Frisbees. Welcome to the show, Rick. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. Awesome, man. And first off, I'd just like to congratulate you and uh, on your induction into the Hall of Fame. That's got to be feeling pretty cool. Um, it is. It, it's um, it, it's just a great honor to to have, and um, and I want to congratulate all the other guys that are a part of it. And geez, I've been getting calls from everybody congratulating me, and you know, I just got a call from Donnie Wallace. The other day and JJ they hadn't talked to those guys in so long and they congratulated me and it's just you know it's just a great honor to be part of it yeah I mean it's been really fun to kind of watch the announcements happen on this weekly basis that Skippy's been sending out and I mean what a class you oh got God. you know of course all of the other partners of of Bill uh, Wright and Doug Brannigan and then you got Donnie Rhodes and you got Skippy himself and Larry Imperiali and Bethany Sanchez. I mean, it's kind of like that whole crew you you kind of grew up with in sport. Absolutely. Yeah, they were all part of it growing up and traveling with everybody. And it's just been a great experience. And, you know, I was just so happy to be a part of it. And, and you know, Skippy's been doing such a great job of all this, him and, him and Bill on uh, putting this out. So, you know, props go out to to Skippy for handling all this, man. I know it's a lot of hard work. So Rick, now that we're talking about uh, you and the class of folks who were inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, I just want to learn how did Frisbee come into your life and then how did that transition into joining the Coloradicals team? Well, um, you know, I started playing Frisbee. But the first Frisbee I saw, I don't know if you guys remember this, it was a yellow fastback. It must have been 1968. Remember those yellow fastbacks? That was before my time. Yeah. <laughs> And what we used to do is we would play tag with it. We would run around this guy's house, and you had to hit him below the legs. If you, you threw it at him and you hit him below the legs or below the waist, excuse me, uh, they were it. You know, and that was my, really my first introduction to Frisbee. And you know, I was, a, I was a basketball player, so I played a lot of basketball. So I was kind of a hot dog with a basketball, and I could always spin a basketball on my finger and stuff like that. And I used both hands and stuff. So I ended up um, getting a scholarship to UNC. And I went up there, and um, after a couple of years, I hurt my knee. I tore the cartilage in my knee, and I was I was in the gym with a with a cast on my knee, and and I was shooting free throws. And in walks these two guys. I'll say these. I'll, I'll I'll mention a bunch of names, and hopefully you guys will know maybe a few of them. But his name was Mike Wilson and Joe Corsentino, and they threw the he threw a little ninety seven gram 
you know, those little green ones in the gym. And he started running after it and he and he caught it on his fingernail, you know, running and he was delaying it. And I was like, holy crap, that looks like I mean, I bet I could do that since I could spin a basketball. And so I walked over to him and I said, hey, man, let me try that. So he spun it up for me and I could do it right away. And and I always say, you know, I think Frisbee picked me. I think that's the kind of thing that happens. Certain sports pick you. And, um, you know, basketball was my first love, but then Frisbee just kind of picked me and I just, just caught the bug as soon as I could delay it. And, uh, so they, they said, um, Hey, we're having a Frisbee tournament. And so I went to my first Frisbee tournament and it was the name of the club was the McKee mouse Frisbee club. And it was because there was a building called McKee hall, M C K E E. And Mike Wilson, and, um, started the club and called it the McKee mouse Frisbee club. And we had our first tournament where I first met Jeff Hungerford and, and John Bird and Jamie Chantilly's and Monica Lou and Rick Kavasic and and I went to a tournament and um, I could actually you know I could delay it and just maybe do a little catch and stuff but I was just blown away by kind of the stuff they were doing. This was probably 1977. After that, I heard about these other tournaments and and so this other one was called Wind Song and it was in Boulder and I went there and that's when I first really started getting into it. And my original frisbee partner Scott Locke got hurt. And that's where I first met Doug and Bill. It must have been 19, it could have been late 77 or 78. And Doug didn't have a partner and Bill wasn't playing yet. And so I walked up to Doug and I introduced myself and I said, hey man, my partner got hurt. Do you want to play? And Doug and I ended up playing in that tournament together before we even knew each other, really. It was it was a weird format. It was a pick your poison kind of thing. You You would pick a disc to play with. And I think we got the Super Pro I think, and I don't know, I'm, you know, we may have finished last or something like that. Um, but it was a really great experience. Again, that's when I first saw people using nails. You know, Jeff Hungerford and Jamie were using these nails. And they said, yeah, put it on your finger and go plastic to plastic. And, and so that was kind of my first introduction to the whole scene. And then Boulder was a pretty big mecca for, for freestyle back then. And I went to a, a major tournament there. It must have been 78 where I saw Westerfield throw the sidearm that went 700 yards <laughs> over a building. And uh, Laura Engel was there, Dave Marini, you know, all these all these guys. And it was kind of a click, you know, you kind of couldn't get into their click. And so, you know, me being who I am, I, I, I walked up to Laura Engel. I go, hey, I'm Rick Castilla. I'd really like to meet you. Do you have a nail I can borrow? <laughs> nice. <laughs> You know, and then she watched how we played, and I watched her and uh, G Rose. You guys know G Rose. Oh yeah. And watching them play, and and Joey and everybody, and it was uh, it was a great experience. And so once that happened, Doug and I, and Bill and I kind of got together, and we went down to our first tournament in Arizona, where I saw JJ and Kevin Roberts, and their move was a pull into a spinning catch, and we looked at each other and went, Oh my God, you can do that! You can spin. And then catch the frisbee, and <laughs> we're like, okay, we're gonna do that. So we ended up going back to Colorado and and um, just learning. Doug and, and Bill and I would sit there for hours and hours and set the disc up and spin and catch, spin and catch. You know, we Doug and I would try these really hard moves and God, we couldn't do it. And Bill would walk up and go, "What are you guys trying to do?" And we'd show him, and he goes, oh, "Okay," and Bill and he'd do it. <laughs> you know, when Doug oh and I would, oh, you hate that <laughs> practicing for four hours going, Oh my God, he did it the first time. You guys lived in different cities though, right? Or you didn't go to Colorado state university. Did you? No, I went to UNC. That's where I played basketball university of Northern Colorado. So it's about ah, 30, okay. 30 minutes East of Fort Collins. And ironically, my son got a scholarship to play golf there this year. 
So he's going to go there and play golf and play Division One golf. The coach really liked him and told him, hey, man, you're going to play as a freshman. you got to come here. So that's where he's going to go, and, and he's kind of a, a legacy of me. So once I graduated, I moved, I moved to Fort Collins and okay. got a place there. And, um, and that's when, you know, Bill and Doug and I started traveling together in his, in his Volkswagen bug. You know, we took the seat out of the back and we started traveling and um, that's how we made our way. And it, our first term in our first real big tournament was the one in Minnesota or Minneapolis, where we stayed in River Falls, Wisconsin with Doug's mom. And, and uh, it was just a great time. And I think we beat the Velasquez brothers. And that was God. after doing that. We were like, OK, God, can you believe it? We beat the Velasquez brothers, you know, and they were our idols at the time. A, a lot. Of, I, I had a lot of idols, though. I mean. When I when I watched Joey play and Cray and Jeff Balberbaum from the East Coast, I was like, yeah, God, I love the way they do that. They're in this, you know, consecutive catch the disc, get rid of it, you know, that kind of thing. And they're very difficult. And so I was like, God, I got to put that in my play. And then I would watch the guys from the West Coast, and I'd watch, you know, Corey Basso and Evan David, and they had nothing but flow. And so I was like, God, I got to take that part of the West Coast, connect it to the East Coast. And put my style together where I would consecutively do difficult moves and flow right out of the catch into a throw. And to quote Jim Palmieri, the throws, the throws. That was that was his big, big thing. You always got to do the throws. And, you know, I always wanted to do right-handed and left-handed throws. And I wanted to lay with my right hand and my left hand and do both spins because, I, you know, it just opened up a whole new world. You know, and Doug was predominantly clock and Bill was predominantly counter. And so throw me in the middle as the muse and I could kind of connect everything together with co-ops and stuff, kind of be in the middleman with all that, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all. Totally lucky, lucky that you had that ability and then bring that to the table. I mean, that, that makes it so that you can seamlessly, you know, move from one co-op to the next. And yeah, and that was, that was the whole thing. I, I could throw with my left hand. I could throw with my right hand. You know, you throw upside downers. I just took to heart what Jim Palmieri always said, you know, you got to do different throws. You can't just do the same throw over and over the same to catch over and over, you know? And so I would, I would take different throws from different people, like from Kirkland, you know, I would take a different throw from him that he would do. And all he would come up to me and say, like that throw, just tell him where you got it. You know, <laughs> that was his big thing. Well, I want to back you up just a little bit. So uh, you actually hooked up with Doug Brannigan first before right. the Coloradicals even formed. That's true. That's correct. Okay. Then when you moved to Fort Collins, you guys started thinking about being a team. And when did you kind of like go, oh my gosh, we're a team. We're the Coloradicals. Well, I think it was when we went to Arizona. We all decided to uh, take a trip down there and play in the co-op division. And uh, we just did really well together. We kind of, we, we meshed together. We had good chemistry, you know, Doug would do a move. I'd want to do a little bit better. And then Bill would do a move. And and it just everything kind of, you know, meshed together as as one unit. We tried, you know, we tried to create a, a, an experience that people could, you know, could relate to, you know, get a, get, a good, get a good feeling out of what they saw, an emotion, you know, that kind of thing. And then once we did that, um, we played pretty good. And we, we came up and then Bill started doing tournaments at Fort Collins. We started playing in tournaments there. And we just felt that the chemistry was right, you know, and we all liked the same type of music, you know, it wasn't until that I, I went to, it must've been 1979, right before the Rose Bowl. I went and hung out with Evan David in Sonoma, where I met Skippy and Rodney Sanchez, you know, and Muggs and everybody. And they just had a great, they had a great club there, 
And I spent two weeks with Evan, and all we did was, you know, we would throw and move and run and catch, move, 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 you know, all that space. And so he had turned me on. He was listening to this really great music. I don't know if you remember the song that we used way back when it was called Twilight Tone. You know, we were into kind of the jazz kind of thing. And so I took that song that he, so I'm going to give props to Evan because he's the one that turned me on to the song. So I went back to Colorado. I said, hey, listen to this song. And it was Twilight Tone. I don't know if you guys, dun, 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 dun. So we used it at Irvine. And that's when we first incorporated the kind of like the weave. So I took, that was a basketball drill that I did in college. It was, uh, you know, pass and go behind, pass and go behind. So I was like, hey, we got to try this thing where we pass and go in between, go in between. And that's kind of how the, the weave came to existence from a basketball oh, wow. uh, practice that I w- would do. You know, it wasn't until after, and then we won the Rose Bowl with it. And then it wasn't until 1981 when Bill came to us and, and it's like, hey, I got this classical song. I think it'd really be good. And then right, we'll break it off right here. And then you guys, we all love the Moody Blues. And we'd go into the Moody Blues with, you know, you'd hear that, that note. And we knew that's where we'd break into the weave. And that's how we kind of incorporated all that into into the Coloradicals moves. So You actually went out to the West Coast and then came back. So before, so that was before your 80 Rose Bowl victory. That's, so you, that's you went out there. Yeah. yeah. So you went out there and kind of gleaned some new styles and new movements and brought it back and incorporated it into that twilight tones routine that ended up winning the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- wow. I think we must've dropped, we, we dropped quite a bit, but <laughs> I think we dropped less than everybody else. But, you know, back then people tended to drop a lot because, you know, the wind was kind of weird in the Rose Bowl and it was really, it was Irvine, you know, the semis that everybody shined, you know, on the grass, the wind was perfect. You know, that's when, you know, Jeff and, 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 uh, Cray and Evan played together. And, and I think it was, I want to say Kirkland and Donnie, you know, and um, Joey and Richie, and and I just can't remember exactly. You know, I'm getting old. Is that, you guys. The, is that the year that Eric Wooten and Scott Zimmerman made it as well? I think so. Yeah, those guys were good too. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of good players. And, you know, and I I started out as as an overall player. I actually won the Colorado Open Division here. You know, golf, freestyle, MTA. You know, all those uh, all those other events. And that was my only claim to fame is I won the Colorado States one year. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, I'll go try and compete in overall. And so in the very beginning, I competed in all the events, you know, um, but soon found out that I couldn't I couldn't hang with the Zimmermans and, and the Kirklands and and the Brannigans and the Brannigans. Yeah, Doug was a really good overall. Player. Yeah. He was, was amazing. Yeah, he, one year, man, he almost won it. He lost it. I don't know. I think he lost it by one point or something to Zimmerman or somebody. And uh, after that, he was like, okay, we're just going to focus on freestyle. <laughs> right. but, but he was an underrated, he was an underrated, not underrated, maybe not as known for his overall game as his freestyle, just because the Coloradicals did what they did. But he was right. an amazing overall player. He really was, man. He was a he was a good athlete. You know, all of us, you know, we all Bill was a pitcher, Doug was a wrestler, I played basketball. So, you know, we didn't have anything else. We didn't have any sports to do after we kind of ended our careers in college. And like I said, it kind of picked us and it, it motivated us to to practice, you know, because that's what we were used to. You know, we practiced all the time. So um leads me to my next question is that a lot of folks have mentioned Evan David over all these sort of interviews that we've been doing as he was really an influential person to folks. I really had no idea that he had that kind of impact. So uh, I assume that he was one of those folks that was influential to you. Were there other folks on your rise uh, that were influential as choreographers? 
Yeah, I mean, Corey Basso was his partner was really good. You know, I gotta say, Cray, Cray and Joey were, and Jeff Falberbaum. I really loved the way they played. Their consecutiveness, you know, and their difficulty that they did. It was just, you know, it was above everybody else. And believe it or not, Jamie Chantilly. Do you remember that name? Oh yeah, of course. He was he was a big part of uh, of of me, you know, becoming who I was by. You know, he would go to different tournaments, come back and show, okay, here's the new move. Here's this, here's that, you know, and it wasn't until I think that we really started traveling overseas and stuff, going to Europe and that, you know, the Colorado really clicked. And I don't know, it was, uh, there, there was a lot of influence. Kirkland was an influence. I have a lot of influences. <laughs> Randy, you're, you were an influence. I mean, watching you doing your single routine by yourself. I mean, that, you know, I was like, oh my God. I think this should be a t- this should be something that we should do all the time and as an individual two minute routine. Yeah, who who is that chubby kid doing solos out there? What is going on? Actually, Boulder is where I first did that. Matt. Yeah, you said I that Boulder was a mecca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who were some of the Coloradicals' biggest rivals during that period? So um, Donnie, Jeff, and Ellen Elliott, who's um, who I want to give props to. Um, they, the, I, I would always worry about them, you know, them and anybody Joey played with was, was always a, was always a challenge and, and hubby and Larabs, you know, Larabs hooked up with Joey quite a bit and, and Rosine, um, they were always somebody that I, you know, you had to look out for and Donnie, you know, whoever Donnie played with in Kirkland, you know, I always, I was one of those guys that I don't know if you guys were like this. I went to a tournament and a lot of times I would, you know, we'd play good. And so you'd end up playing, you know, last, second to last, third to last. And, and a lot of times people wouldn't watch the routines before. But I was, you know, I dug the pressure. I loved the pressure. So I watched. We didn't have videos back then. Well, we did. But, we, you know, it's not like it is today. There's no YouTube. You can see every video. So I wanted to watch everybody's routine. So, you know, going up last, you know, we'd all be practicing on the side. And, and as soon as the it would start. I'd walk over and I'd watch the first team, the second team. And then I definitely wanted to watch Joey play. And I always wanted to watch Cray play and Evan and, and Corey. And so, and I always watched the women, you know? So I, I got to see all the routines. Like I said, a lot of people didn't, I don't know. How, what were you guys like? Did you watch the routines before? It's pretty interesting to hear you talk about that. So I, I've had mixed feelings. Usually I don't like to watch the routines because it kind of psychs me out and I want to just sort of be in my own zone and ready to do my performance and not, not worry about how the other players are, are playing. But then there are some times when it's like, I just, I just have to know, did they do well or did they do not well, not do well because they're the, like the primary competition. So that I, my curiosity gets the best of me sometimes. I think my experience kind of evolved from that. Ooh, I don't want to see what's going on because it's going to psych me out too. <laughs> you know what? I'm fine. I, I don't want to miss out on all these great routines because yeah. if you're in the finals, you don't get to see any of the routines if you're off sequestered, you know, somewhere. So I kind of evolved like, and I didn't let it psych me out. So I like to watch the routines because I not so much want to see if whether they did good or not. I just want to see the quality of play because that's when it's at its highest. Exactly. You know, and then you'd, you'd see, you know, but I can understand people not wanting to see it because, yeah, it would psych you up. You watch them and, oh, my God, they only dropped one. Oh, my. Now we really got to play good because they only dropped one. But I looked at that as like, oh, man, how great was that? That routine was just awesome that they did. Now we got to go out and we just got to put on a better show, you know, that kind of thing. So I really I really liked watching everybody's routine, I, you know, because who knew who knew if you ever were going to see it? Fortunately, there were people out there videotaping it, but you never knew when you were going to see it. And then someone would do a move and you go, oh, yeah, 
I can do that. Maybe I should put that in my routine. We usually had everything choreographed. That was the one thing that I think that kind of separated us a little bit. We, we you know, we always wanted to take the music and incorporate the routine to it, and you know, hit the hit the hit the notes on the music, and just you know, just create an emotion to everybody, you know, so they could you know have a great time seeing what you know, liking what they saw. The choreography is definitely one of the things that the Coloradicals are known for. So I was going to ask, uh, was there any one particular person who drove that choreography idea or was it a shared effort? And kind of how did that evolve? Well, in the beginning, I think we all we all pretty much, you know, we all had our individual moves that we did. And Doug and Bill had co-ops that they did. And so we would kind of take some of the stuff that they did, some of the stuff that Doug and I would did, we'd incorporate it. It wasn't until after, I don't know, I started, I, you know, maybe it wasn't until after I started playing with Stacy that uh, I started working a little bit harder on our routine and Bill kind of Bill Bill kind of was the guy that brought in a lot of the classical music music and then we would incorporate you know we'd always put the two songs and back then he would have to try and splice that song right into the other song and it just took so long and it was so hard to do because we didn't have the technology that we have today Right. You're doing cassette tape, right? Back and forth. Yeah. Just got to push pause and start right at the right moment. Yeah. Or you would, uh, you'd have a needle that you put on the record and do needle. that and you'd have to take it off and then start the other one. And, but we would all, we would all put our two cents in. Um, I think Bill kind of went forward and, and did a lot of that, you know, pushed a lot of that towards us. You know, he, he was a main part of, of all that with, with the, with the music that he brought in and, um, but you know, in general, we all helped with the choreography. But the Bill, Bill liked to, Bill liked to do that part. So we didn't have any problem with that. And like I said, that's when I was playing with them and doing a lot of routines with them. That's when I started playing with Stacy. And so I kind of focused on the mixed part of that. Um, so I want to ask you. So what was your most satisfying tournament result with the Coloradicals as a team? God, there were so many of them. Um, that I really, loved. I mean, the, our first one in, in Minneapolis was great. You know, the Rose Bowl. You got, I guess the very first one, the Rose Bowl, w- was really good. The FPA in uh, Santa Cruz. But, I, I, you know, I'd have to say the Rose Bowl. Just that experience itself was, you know, you had to go to all these tournaments across the country and gain points, you know. And if you got so many points, then Whammo would send you a, a check, you know, <laughs> for a bunch of money to fly out or drive out. And then they'd put you up. And I'd have to say, I'd have to say the Rose Bowl, I guess, you know. We didn't play as good as we did. We played better in the semis. but you know, I think hearing those 40,000 people scream and then, you know, calling my mom afterwards, say, hey, we finally won the Rose Bowl. You know, that had been a dream, you know, for so long. So I'd probably have to say the Rose Bowl. Well, yeah, it's not surprising to me that uh, Rick's favorite win is his first win at the Rose Bowl. I think it's often people's first big win that really that really sticks with them just because, you know, your first one's always your best one. The first is always the best. First is always the best. So speaking of the first being the best, uh, we are announcing today the start date for City versus City. This will be the first annual City versus City. So the start date is January 12th. Yes. And so we will crown a Frisbee Guru City versus City champion by the end of February. So Stay tuned for more details, but we wanted to at least get that out there and get folks excited about this upcoming championship. I'm excited about it. I'm sure you are too, Jake. Yeah, I'm super excited. You know, after we did the first city versus city test, 
we had so much positive feedback. People really enjoyed the format. Yeah, we will be announcing the details. We will uh, announce the teams who are going to be selected uh, in a future update. So if you want to stay updated, definitely sign up for the e-newsletter that comes out every Monday and you will be updated as to what is happening and what teams will be included. So on that note, Jake, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live stream.